You're listening to the Your Queer Story podcast, the podcast that inspires peace, love, and radicalism, led by your favorite hosts, Evan Jones and Paul Hobbs. Trigger warning. Our content covers centuries of LGBTQ plus stories, and occasionally we may use outdated language or cover topics that include violence, assault, homophobia, transphobia, as well as other injustices against marginalized communities. Make sure you subscribe and review wherever you are listening, and be sure to follow us on all social media at Your Queer Story. And if you want exclusive content, join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash yourqueerstory. You're here, now let's get queer. Back on our regularly regularly scheduled podcasts. Yeah. Um, and uh, so excited to be here. Definitely not super tired from the exhausting. It's only the middle of March and we've still got, I've got till the end of May to be honest with all the shit I have to do, but definitely to the end of April. So <laughs> definitely going to make it. <sighs> Buying a house is hard. A lot of things. You're going to be gray before, like, that. I'm going to be gray or I'm going to murder my fiancé. One of the two. We're going to murder and each other. And then you'll be on my favorite murder. <laughs> Stop promoting other podcasts I'm, I'm on this sorry, podcast. But, but I love them. They make I know, me laugh. I know. Yeah, I know. Uh, how sad would it be if we did murder each other right before our wedding? You know? Like, they would have me as a guest, so I wouldn't be that upset. <laughs> <laughs> you still don't even care. It's Samantha and I have killed each other. But, You're just like, excuse me. Does anybody does anybody have a hometown murder they'd like to share? Yes. Yes. I have been a long time listener, and um, I have the best story. My best friend. He went crazy, uh, and he killed his fiance, and then just went on a crazy, crazy yeah. spree. And mm-hmm. yeah, it would have been great. It would, I'm sorry, I couldn't do. I can't do that. But, hey, there's still time. There's still a month. Samantha, I love you, and I would never want that to happen. I'm just saying if it did happen. He just wants to be on My Favorite Murder. Oh, God. And I just want to be married. You want another espresso? No, I don't, because then I'll never sleep. I want to be married and living in my house. I want my children to all be at least 12 years old. And Why are you um, trying to fast forward so many years? This is so much work. I'm exhausted. I can't do it. <laughs> I can't do this for so much longer. I When we went to visit my sister a few weeks ago, you know, she, I told you, like, she's got this baby. You have to feed the babies every three hours. Nobody ever told me you had to feed babies every three hours. Never knew it. I just thought you could put them to bed. They're going to sleep through the night. You wake up. You feed them every once in a while when they cry. But no, every three hours you have to feed this thing. It's ridiculous. How did like mothers back in the day know that? How I how did mothers survive? How has any mother ever survived anything? And imagine being a single mother, like on top. I don't. Of that. How did your mom do it? I don't know. I a don't lot know. Of marijuana? Uh, no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> she never smoked in her she life. She worked. I don't know. She worked her ass off mm. as a hairstylist. A true yeah. hair hairstylist. That's a fucking busy job. Yeah. There's never any time to rest. Oh yeah. You're fucking combing, brushing, cutting, coloring. You're just like go, 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 yeah. go because you have to get these people in and out as fast as you can. The more people you do, the more money you make. Mm-hmm. You just gotta go. Yeah. And fuck that. I got my license, and then when I got to a salon and I saw that, I was like. Yeah, I'm going to go take a desk job. <laughs> yeah, right? A nice desk job. <laughs> Sit down all day. I don't know. So my when my dad died, my sister was like two. My brother was three. Or maybe they were a little older. Maybe they were four and five and I was eight. Mm-hmm. And she takes three kids, moves them from South Carolina up to Indiana, joins a cult. <laughs> and, you know, which uh, that was stupid. But, you know, she like worked that whole year, took care of three kids on her own. Like, I don't. You know, she took care of us all while my dad was sick and dying in the hospital, and she's feet, you know, taking care of babies. I don't know. I don't know how she. That's so much. So props to all you mothers, and <laughs> yes. especially to you single mothers, because yeah, you guys, you guys are the real heroes. My other sister, she's got a three year old that likes to hop around and think he thinks that he's a dog or a cat, and. I don't know where you're going with that identity crisis, but, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, congrats, yeah, props to you mothers. And single dads, too. And single dads, yeah, uh, yeah, all of you, you people taking care of kids, 
you're the real heroes because I couldn't fucking do it. They're monsters. They're monsters. They're I can cute. barely prevent my cats from eating everything. Like I don't know how I, would I can't out of a child. prevent my dog from eating everything. He just shits and eats whatever he wants, wherever he wants. I'm pretty sure he's eaten the cat's poop on several occasions, and <laughs> and you let him kiss you with that tongue. I do. I don't let him lick me on the lips, but I'll let him, you know, sometimes lick my cheek occasionally. Yeah. Mm. He's so cute, though. I can't help it. I think that's the thing with kids. They're just so cute. No. You just have he to... looks like a rat. That's... No, he doesn't. And you're being rude to my little Stewie. He does, though. <laughs> he... Okay, so he looks like a rat, but he's a cute rat. Yes, he is. You want to get in a fight right here? We won't even do this podcast. You're going to come on here and you're going to insult my dog like that. How dare you? Yeah, I'm looking at you. Anyways, we should move on. <laughs> so um, make sure you check out our mini-sode. And we had last episode dropped on Sunday. So yep. we dropped two episodes if you missed them. If you were like, I thought you guys just disappeared. Uh, we're back. We didn't disappear. We're, we're here. We're we here. Just... Life got crazy, and then the uh, computer decided to not yeah, save our the files. Yeah, so. computer dr- sh- like sh- took a shit on us. Um, also, if you want to, you can subscribe. Subscribe. Mm-hmm, that's the word. Subscribe to our Patreon. We really appreciate your support. It helps us keep this podcast running, and we can do so much more. So please, if you're able to go and support Patreon slash Your Queer Story, we really, really would join appreciate. us and become a queer stan. Yeah, yeah, Queer Stan. Upgrade from Queer Stan to Queer Stan. Yeah, which is a hardcore fan. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah. Um, anything exciting this week? No. No? Very easy tonight. Very easy week for me. Oh. Very, very simple. Um, working and re- resting because Mm-mm. I was sick for like two weeks and it just, this has just been like a calm week for me. Yeah. Not for me. I'm, you know, I'm getting our mortgage approved for the house, inspections, last minute things, all this running around, getting the house ready, mm-hmm. um, you know, meeting with the uh, with the wedding venue this weekend to go over our plans for the for <laughs> the reception. So yeah, one of the hardest things about buying a house is coordinating times where. The real realtor uh-huh. and like everybody else is available while also around your schedule and whoever you're yeah. in the house with the schedule. Oh, I know. Because it's like all these people having to coordinate the things. Like we've had to remove our inspection twice because the the seller got sick and then there was a huge snowstorm. Right. But think about this. You, your fiance, mm-hmm. the two of you already coordinating things is hard enough. Yep. Throw in a realtor. Mm-hmm. Then you gotta throw in the buyer's realtor yep. and possibly the buyer. That's yep. five people whose schedules have to fucking align. Who and could, the inspector. And you're not working a nine to five. No. So, like... <laughs> it's fucking nuts. Yep. So, it's a good thing this house is going to be worth it because it's a beautiful house. It is a nice really house, like yeah. It. And I, I'm, I'm coming I'm to, to many backyard parties. Oh, yeah, you get it. Yeah. I'm excited about that yard because I can just throw my dog out there and let him run free. Yeah. And that's it. And, uh, yeah. I don't know. Hopefully there's nobody dead buried in the backyard of this one. Yeah, like the last house. But who knows? You know what? I don't care. It's not deterring me this time. <laughs> We're having this house regardless of how many dead hookers in the backyard. <laughs> so, uh, today we are going to talk about secret gay societies, kind of-ish. Um, so, like, I, I told Somewhat. Paul... It turns out when you start researching secret societies, there's not a lot of information out there. Because... Evan thought he was going to go to search up a secret society. They were going to have a web page. Like, request, one of these... me- request membership. One of these societies does have a web page. I want you to know. Um, so, anyways, which also I just realized I've already forgotten how to say that secret society. I told you we weren't going to remember. We're going to remember. Carry on. Canona? It's not even a word. You just said sounds. I will get to it. Anyways, but yeah, so yeah, it wasn't that easy. So it's like secret society slash the gay mafia. A couple of groups that are fall within gay secret societies, but it's not that much of a secret. And um, hopefully you're not disappointed. That's what I have to say about this episode. I, I enjoyed researching it, but not as near the information that I thought I might come across. Um, we have to say that most of this episode is highly speculative and should be listened to more for enjoyment than for actual history. As Think of it as an ASMR episode. Don't, it has nothing to do with ASMR. Think of it as... My voice as, is ASMR friendly. 
Think of it as an enjoyable topic um, that's got a lot of conspiracy, a lot of fabrications, a lot of exaggerations. Because that's the story. That's the truth. Like the Illuminati, right? right? Like what do we know about the Illuminati? It's just fun to listen about. Exactly. So, um, so as is the case with most secret societies, we don't have a lot of concrete evidence to support these claims. However, it is still fun to dive into the world of conspiracy and mystery. If you want to do further research, your recommended resource for the day is Homosexual Secret Societies by Michael Hone. Uh, this author has written a lot of fun books on mostly gay male history, such as Rent Boys, A History of Ancient Times to Present, Homosexual Boarding Schools from Plato's Academy to Princeton Rub, and Roman Homosexuality, and a lot more. Uh, so Michael Hone's written a lot of books on, uh, like, like I said. That must have been a good job. Writing about gay yeah. history? Yeah. Yeah, that would be one of my dream jobs <laughs> in the pu- one day. Um, but yeah, he's got a lot of them, and a lot of them are online for pretty cheap. Like you can get a used copy for like less than ten bucks. Mm-hmm. So you, yeah, you should check it out. Good, good author, well reviewed, um, and many, many more. We do use some of his work in this episode, but also um, we pull from a variety of sources. So, without further delay, let's hit our first society: the Order of the Chironia and the Sacred. Chiron- yeah. Caronia? I think it's Charonia. It's not Charonia. It's Caronia. And the Sacred Band of Thebes. Thebes. That one is just Thebes. Thebes. Our first story consists of a secret society that seems to be founded on the story of another secret society. Yeah. Originally founded in 1893 by George Ives, the society still continues today, though not quite as secretive as it once was. In the late 1860s, a German lawyer named Karl Ulrich. Ulrich. Karl Ulrich. Ulrich. Had publicly come out as a homosexual and denounced the criminalization of homosexuality. Which people said he was the first European to come out. I think it depends on what you consider as like coming out. Because everybody was just doing everybody. So exactly, this is the late 1860s. I don't think he was the first one, but people are like the first guy. This is the first homosexual in history. Exactly, right here, 1860. Yeah, right. Okay, I'm sure. So, so as well as the medical diagnosis of homosexuality as a psychological disturbance. That's what he was denouncing. He was denouncing that. Ulrich's open speech and flagrant prints put Europe in an uproar. In order to convey a vocabulary that positively describes homosexuals, that's my cat, sorry, Ulrich coined the word Uranian. I never heard of it before this study. They 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 made it sound like, like you just know it. It like, was just a common. You know, everybody said Uranian back in the eighteen. Think they just made that up. There. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, I I don't know. Yeah, they're just like well, Oscar Wilde said it. Um, you know, Walt. You know, everyone, everyone. Everyone was saying Uranian. Everyone who was anyone was a Uranian. Like in in a, in all my personal readings and at least a year of like studying queer history, never came across the term, but here it is. <laughs> So, um, Uranian actually referred to a person of a third sex, originally someone with a female psyche and a male body who is sexually attracted to men because a man just can't be attracted to a man. Absolutely not. It has to be a woman in a man's body. Absolutely. Because we're all really straight. But at the same time, this is kind of like, would they be more accepting of a transgender person? Well, yeah. Well, that's because the thing. they're like this. Well, you're actually. Well, that's what fucked up a lot of people because for a long time there's the term gender variant, mm-hmm. you know, and it was you know okay, so like a woman in a man's body, and so for like when like the time like Christine Jorgensen comes yeah. out, people were able to accept her as a transgender woman better than they were able to accept. Sec- except gay men because of this idea of like, well, if you're a female in a male's body or vice versa, that explains why you'd be attracted to the same, actually opposite sex. It wasn't until later when people started to accept homosexuals that then people were like, well, we have to hate someone. Let's hate the trans people. And it just just been this vicious vicious cycle of like, who can we hate now? You always got to hate someone. Somebody's always got to be the lesser. That's right. You always have to be better than someone Mm -hmm. in order to get anywhere in life. So this later extended to cover homosexual gender um uranian mm-hmm. um variant females and a number of other sexual types so it was kind of an umbrella term yeah it was and so so while the word has no place in today's society at the time it was actually the most kind way that you could describe a homosexual right. because what he's doing is we don't have the the we didn't even have the word homosexual yet so he's giving 
um, vocabulary to explain in a positive way. Rather, right. Because as a homosexual, you're just lumped in with all the criminals. Like, right. oh, there's a thief, there's a murder, there's a homosexual. You know, and so he's saying, look, there's some people are just gay or, mm-hmm. you know, some people are just Uranian. <laughs> okay. Um, so Uranian, you're like, well, what the fuck is Uranian? So it's uh, from the German word earning, uh, and it's from the Greek goddess Aphrodite, Urania, who is created out of the god Uranus's testicles. Oh, that's a very appropriate word. Yeah, right? I, uh, yeah, but aren't we all created out of someone's testicles? Yeah, that's in true. In a sense. That's but, true. Okay. Therefore, it represents the homosexual gender, while Dianian, Dianine, derived from the Aphrodite, Dionia. So Urich's... Uh, developed this terminology before the public use of the term homosexual, which didn't, which didn't appear until 1869 in a pamphlet that was published anonymous, anonymously by Carl Maria Kurtbeny. So now you know where they're homosexual. 1869, 69. Yeah. <laughs> of course. So the words used are important because they allowed homosexuals across the continent to connect to others like them. Rather than being lumped in with the criminals, they could now seek out like-minded brothers and comrades. Because they gave them an identity. Exactly. Two men who met in this era of enlightenment towards homosexual were Oscar Wilde and George Cecil Ives. Ives was so inspired by his new friendship with another Uranian that he formed a secret society to connect more homosexual men and promote the cause, a.k.a. the start of the gay agenda. That's right, the gay agenda, the gay mafia. The cause is stated as such. The cause is... (laughs) Please, please do that voice. The cause is that of lovers, lovers who have been wronged due to the exercise of free consensual love with an emphasis on male lovers. I don't know why I went to like that guy from Family Guy. Southern Dandy, yeah. You know, the, yep, the, the I one know with exactly, the mullet? With the blonde yeah. hair. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Throughout history, our societies have condemned Jeffrey. a variety of forms of love. Either between individuals of the same gender, individuals from different societal strata, different nationalities, different skin color, different religious beliefs, or just different ideologies. I feel like I read better in that voice. You it's do, very you smooth. Read great. <laughs> I think it's because I slow down. Yes, exactly. Lovers have been prosecuted, humiliated, imprisoned, tortured, and murdered by individuals, organizations, churches, and governments alike as anarch- anachronistic. <laughs> as anachronistic as this may seem, this is still an ongoing issue. The cause. So recruiting people for the cause. So the society was named after the battle where the male lovers of the Theban band were slaughtered in 338 BC. Hmm. So the Thebes, uh, the story of these soldiers, Thebian soldiers, is actually more exciting than the the Carian. What is <laughs> God? The Chirianian? No, it's not. It's <laughs> Carinan. The order. They're more exciting than the order that we can't say. Karen, Kinranan. We literally <laughs> listened to it pronounced a hundred times. So. We listened to how it was pronounced a hundred times, and then we got on there I told you I was going to forget forgot. it. I literally told you I was going to forget it. I felt for sure I was after hearing it so many times, it was going to sink into my brain, and it has not. So, um, <clears throat> this is the first secret society that we alluded to moments ago. The Sacred Band of Thebes was a troop of select soldiers consisting of 150 pairs of male lovers which formed the elite force of the Theban army in the 4th century BC. So it's 300 men. They're all lovers. I don't know if there was mixing or Oh, I'm not. sure at least some people Well, there. yeah. How do you have 300 people together and they're just like, nope, we all have our one person and we're going to stay with this one person and that's how I'm it sure is. I'm sure some of them did, but I'm sure some of them I'm also sure there were some that played around. I'm sure there's a free love. Um, so its predominance began with this crucial war, with its crucial role in the Battle of Leuctra in 371 BC, and it was annihilated by Philip II of Macedon in the Battle of Caronia, 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 which what the order is named after in 338 BC. So while we have a good bit of history on their military accomplishments, we have little information on the group of men themselves. It's very interesting because, um, so this group of men uh, defeated the Spartans in the Battle mm-hmm. of Lucra 
uh, Luke. Well, think about Trump. it. You're literally fighting side by side with your lover. You're not going to mm. let them go down, and they're not oh, going to yeah. let you go exactly. down. You are fighting for Very fucking fierce. everything. Very fierce. Exactly. But also, just to be able to beat the Spartans, they were the most elite like yeah. military group of the time, and these men beat them. But... Like, contrary, while we have all this information on the, the Spartans, we know their traditions, yep. we know their um, culture, we know everything, their family structures, we have almost nothing about this group of mm-hmm. men. And the reason was that many authors refused to write about them at all. Yeah. And the ones that did would kind of skim over it and only wrote about their military right. accomplishments. Because you don't, you know, they don't want to write about the group of homos that right. are living off you know, on themselves. There are a couple of different like statues and art from that time. And, you know, it's very um, obvious that they were lovers, you know, but other than being represented in a few pieces of art, there's like just mm-hmm. almost no information about this group of men, which is sad because this was like the original secret society. Mm-hmm. This is as close as you're going to get to like the Knights Templar, right? you know, um, and we have no information about them. Hey Queerstians, do you own a business? Are you an author or an entertainer? And would you like a great way to grow your audience? Well, this commercial slot could be yours. For just $20 a month, we can advertise your show on our podcast. And as a rapidly growing queer content source, we want to help get your name out there. So if you want even more promotion, you can just choose our $30 tier to get ads and links on our website. And for only $40 a month, we'll review your product on our YouTube channel and link it to all of our social media. So go ahead, send an email to your queer story at gmail today or reach out to us on social media via messenger and let us make your business a little more queer bye Bye. so regardless of their impressive lives um they and their uh being forgotten they still inspired george ives to name his order after their final battle the battle of carnia (laughs) (laughs) so it's spelled c-h-a-e R-O-N-E-A. So look, the Order of Kerenia, if you want to look more. So, in fact, the Order was so caught up in the name and traditions of their society that Ives and other members dated letters and other materials from the year of the battle. So, like, 1900 would have been written as C-2238. So, like, their date started when that battle ended, Mm. rather than following the traditional Christian calendar. Yeah. This also aided as a code to keep the order and its members safe from discovery and punishment. You Smart. Know? Yeah. But some members today claim that the order had always existed and was only revived when George Ives came along. In fact, on their website, yes, they actually do have a website this no matter what I has, say. Yeah, this is the, the secret society that has a website. <laughs> the group claims the order is a fraternity of lovers, a religion in the most quintessential meaning of the word our mythic origin dates back to the year 338 bce as you read on through their site it is apparent that i feel as though they have been around for almost as long as the story of christ and perhaps they have it is always hard to tell the truth about these societies because uh, they're secret however <laughs> if you want to join today there is an in- initiation process the order states <clears throat> Membership is only attainable through the service of initiation. This is by invitation only. The novice must be of age and sponsored by an existing member of the order. And once the novice undergoes the service of initiation of his own will, he is bound to an oath. Membership to the order is a most private matter, even amongst members. I don't know what this novice has to do, but I... I mean, you have to be of age, so... (laughs) (laughs) So something's happening. Yeah. There's no such thing as a hierarchy inside the order, for we are all as equal. A member's worth is only measured by his own effort and virtue. Each initiate must master himself and always strive towards the improvement of his own self. Therefore, when the time comes when he has to act or duty calls for his service, he will do so freely. Let his own conscience be the only judge. It doesn't start to sound culty until that last little line. Yeah. When he's called to act or his duty calls, he will do so freely. Right. <laughs> I don't know. Freely as in, hey, you better fucking do this. Exactly. Or I guess you're not in the secret society anymore. Exactly. Absolutely. There's also a, um, a handbook online that you can read, but they made it clear that they took out their secret handshakes and their secret sign language. So we don't know what that is because some things have to be private. But they put the rest <laughs> of their handbook on there. So if you want to look it up and figure out how you can become an order member, um, you can. 
But remember, you have to be at least 18 years of age. Uh, or, where, I, I mean, whatever. Of that, age. Wherever that is, so, whatever that means. Yeah. So, I don't know. Whatever of age is there. So, yeah. yeah. Well, it seems like a lot of fun and maybe a little kooky, as secret societies tend to be. By all accounts, the order is relatively harmless. Harmless. We cannot find any instances of abuse or harm to members or others, like human sacrifice or anything crazy like that. <laughs> Who we, knows, though? <laughs> you never know. We even found some evidence that they had expanded to include a few lesbian members and branch out their acceptance, which is much more than we can say for our next group. Yeah. The only thing I would say is what disappointed me about the order is that I don't think they do anything except for just get together. Like they're it's like probably a, just a big orgy party. Probably. Like I just that's why like, you got to be of age. I was like, are you like doing charity work? No. Like, what are you doing in the community? No. I, no, nothing. Their initiation, you have to be of age because you're just gonna fucking be spit roasted by thirty dudes. Exactly, <laughs> it's literally what's gonna happen. And do so freely of your own free will. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so, but that's okay because the next group makes up for it all: the Vatican. Oh, oh. my favorite kind of people. Oh yeah. So it's, it's kind of messy here. So we're gonna talk about the Vatican and the Church, and you can't like talk about one without the other. So a lot of mixture. We're going to try to come back to just the Vatican because the Vatican in itself, and I am convinced with all my heart, the Vatican, and I'm not talking about the Catholic Church as a whole, the Vatican, it is a fucking cult. It is up to its fucking eyeballs in secret societies. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, it is the most corrupt institution on the planet and has been for centuries. Okay. Um, no respect for the Vatican on my part. Uh, it is evil. It is abusive. Everything that you can think that is wrong in the world is in the Vatican. Again, 100%. this is not my my. Uh, this is not against the Catholic Church. That's like a billion people. This is about the Vatican. This one group in Rome. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. Few, if any, groups have been home to more secret societies than the Vatican. From the Sons of Temperance to the Knights of Pythias to the ever mysterious world dominating Illuminati. So perhaps we shouldn't be surprised that a secret gay society within the Vatican was exposed in 2014. The story broke when a former commander of the Swiss guard, Elmar Madir, claimed a network of homosexual inside the Vatican could pose security problems for Pope Francis. Madir headed the guard between 2002 and 2008 and told reporters directly, I cannot refute the claim that there is a network of homosexuals. I have not partaken in any homosexual activity. I have not partaken in any homosexual acts such as blowjobs or experiences. My experiences that I did not have would indicate the existence of such a thing. I, I made it up a little bit as I was going. You made up but... a lot of that. <laughs> Most of that was made up. <laughs> But sure, yeah, probably. <laughs> no, seriously, like, yeah. I I just happened to stumble across it. I just happened to walk into a group of guys, and they were sucking each other off, and I didn't know how to get out of there without couple, stuck in a couple of dicks so that I could get. They were all the way Does out the door. Me you just had no. to, you had to grab them as you were on your way out, one <laughs> after the grab other. Grab and tug and grab and tug, and I was just trying to crawl through to get to the other side of the room. Does it's that like make army me gay? crawling, and every time you move your arm, there's another dick. Like, <laughs> <laughs> All these cardinals lifting up their red robes so I can gab on the knee. So, so, so what does any of that mean? So what he said is, I cannot refute the claim that there is a network of homosexuals. My experiences would indicate that the existence of such a thing. So this is a guard. Like, his job is to protect the Pope, and he's coming out and saying this. Now, not that... Any of us were really surprised. But what does it mean? So Mater went on to point out that the nature of the Vatican's work, which is a bunch of single, sexually repressed men working long hours together beneath the tantalizing temptation of forbidden love, because there is nothing sexier than someone being like, you can't have this. And then you're like, I'm definitely going to have this. <laughs> exactly. At least that's how I do it. I don't know. No, not now. I'm a committed man now, but in my past, in my younger life. <laughs> this makes the church headquarters a gay magnet, to use Mater's words. Um, the same year, other news broke about the constant harassment of gay priests on guards and other male Vatican employees. One guard reported that he was the target of more than 20 sexual requests. I don't know why I'm laughing, because it's not funny. It's sexual harassment, and it's not okay. But you know why it's funny? It's because the same guard probably goes, <laughs> Hey, 
Hey, honey. I'm thinking of like a construction worker. Yeah, like, hey, honey, what's up? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, sitting on the chair. Hey, you know, he wants this dick. Yeah. But I was there and then they made asexual advances on me. <laughs> so the, the guard said that one night at dinner, the priest said to her, or one night at dinner, he had, uh, he was with several priests, and he said, as the spinach and steak were served, the priest said to me, and you're the dessert. You're just going to put you on the table. <laughs> and it was mortifying and I couldn't handle it. But this goes back to what I've always said why straight men are so terrified why some straight men are so terrified mm-hmm. of gay guys is because they're being they're afraid of being treated the same way that they treat women. Exactly. Exactly. That's that's what it comes down to. I don't want a man yelling at me or looking at me or thinking I look at you know, I don't want that. Yeah. Oh, but you're perfectly fine fucking doing it to some sixteen year old or, you know, seventeen year old walking down the street. Yep, absolutely. I get angry. I know. Because it's bullshit. Is it you or me? It's your turn. I'm smacking you my stop I'm, smacking your cat. I'm patting my cat. He's very needy. Okay. The tone of Mater's interview was certainly homophobic, despite his constant reassurance that he didn't have a problem with gay people. They're just... Did you hear oh, how... That you was you... Whoa. <laughs> that was my voice, guys. That's the manliest you've ever oh. sounded. <laughs> sounded like a country singer. I don't know what happened. <laughs> Um, they're just a security risk because I want to do them and they always want special things when I want to do them, there he said. Paul, he's ad-libbing. He's ad-libbing a lot. But it was true. The whole interview, he's just like, he's talking about how much of a security risk um, gay people are because he's like, they're just too loyal to their own and so they're not going to be able to do their yeah. job properly. But I'm totally not homophobic. I don't care if they're gay. I don't have a problem with gay people. I just, I just, I can't hire them. I can't promote mm-hmm. them, you know, because, you know, they're a security risk. Anyways. And as we and, and though we'd like to shrug off the accusations as merely another straight man's attempt to vet his frustrations about the fear of those terrible gays. That didn't make sense, but I'm just going <laughs> to go. Because I'm saying we'd like to shrug it off. There are centuries because we'd like to say that he's just being a homophobe and like none of this is true. But the reality is it is true. Yeah. So centuries of evidence would not allow us to dismiss the strong presence of homosexuality in the Vatican and the church as a whole. As far back as the infamous St. Augustine, who around 380 AD wrote about his special friend as such. Okay. You want me to do it? <clears throat> I felt that my soul and his were one soul in two bodies, and therefore life was a horror to me, since I did not want to live as a half, and yet I was also afraid to die, lest he, whom I had loved so much, would completely die. Elsewhere, however, he claims to have contaminated the spring of friendship with the dirt of lust and darkened its brightness with the darkness, blackness of desire. Mm. That dark hole. That dark hole. Yeah, St. Augustine, will, maybe in the future we'll do a, a whole episode on him. There's a nice book I like. I like. It's called uh, Saints Behaving Badly. <laughs> but That's such a funny name. It is. because It's fun because it's all these people that are saints now that like lived these awful lives before. And Augustine was very much a dick, and he was super gay, like so gay. And then um, he all of a sudden like flips and is like gives his life to God, and then he becomes a whole asshole towards gay people uh-huh. and just lust in general. Like I mean, he targeted anybody who was having sex outside of marriage, but especially against gay people. Mm-hmm. And it's sad because like you know he was just so he was gay. gay, yeah. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, so but, but that's just saying, like, all the way back, you know, so 380 BC, you yeah. know, the church is founded around 300. So, like, in the very earliest days of the church, you start having these rumors of gay priests. So, in the 11th century, the former monk and then cardinal Peter Damien wrote an entire book titled The Book of Gomorrah to address the rampant homosexual homosexuality within the Catholic t- clergy. So, if you're familiar with the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, that's what it is. Um, while Damien called for punishment and open condemnation, others felt that the problem so felt that the problem was so large that such harsh penalties would effectively white out the clergy <laughs> altogether. Like, look, I get that you're mad about it, but yeah, to be honest, Pete, we've all sucked each other's dicks. Yeah, at this if point. we start, if we just start kicking out all the homos, there's not going to be anybody left in the church. <laughs> Recent studies estimate thirty to forty percent of Catholic clergymen are gay or have indulged in homosexual acts and relationships. 
Despite the constant common knowledge that the church and the Vatican are filled to the brim with homosexuals, the church's outward stance remains a hard line against queer individuals acting on the flesh. It's almost as if the society wants the gays all to themselves. So the church keeps being like, okay, fine. Like, they're at this point now where like, okay, yes, we admit that there's gay people. You just can't have sex with each other. And it's... (laughs) Yeah. so if this was a harmless group of men engaging in consensual orgies and hidden rendezvous like the order of Charonia we wouldn't wouldn't care but this isn't I'm saying it like a a typical white American (laughs) Charonia and that's how you say it because that's how an American would say it and we're the best we're number one whatever we say is exactly how the rest Uh, of the world should do it but this isn't the case just a few weeks ago yet another story of a catholic priest abuse broke uh in the story were horrible instances of rape and sex slavery of catholic nuns as well as abuse of young priests by older clergymen archbishop theodore mccarrick was a notable abuser of young of young seminary students but rather than acknowledging their very gay society the vatican insists instead has pushed all their accusations of pedophilia onto their mostly blameless blameless gay clergymen if a catholic priest bishop or leader comes out they are suddenly scapegoat as one of the many child predators running rampant within the church so well i'm sorry but uh the gay clergymen more than likely aren't the ones using the nuns as sex slaves just gonna put that out there just gonna say that yeah so it's kind of like yeah so like rather than be like oh wow we have pedophiles we have rapists and we also have gay men they're like the gay men are the pedophiles and the rapists right and they're i mean that's their way of punishing you for coming out as gay because more catholic priests have started to come out and say hey i'm gay right you know i'm gay and you know bob's gay and you know joe's gay and like you, let's you just... caught us in the bathroom the other day right? <laughs> in fact you joined us in the bathroom <laughs> yeah. the other day so um how about we just be honest about this and then and then move on and instead the vatican is like look if you come out and start to make ways for us you're gonna go to the <clears throat> bottom of the bottom exactly we're gonna tell people that you're the pedophile you know, and then and that's literally what they're saying. They're like these gay men are the pedophiles, and that's why we're having these problems right. in the Catholic Church. Rather than saying that they have two different issues, you have pedophiles that you need to fucking get out of your church, and you have gay men that you need to recognize as honorable clergymen that are fucking doing the job that they're right. supposed to do. But we haven't even got to the Vatican. So just a few days ago, French journal French journalist Friedrich Martel's new book Sodoma for Sodom also titled The Closet of the Vatican dropped in over 20 different countries. I cannot fucking wait to read this book. Oh, I might need to even read Yeah, that. you need to read this book. I don't even like read, but I, I, I mean, think this you would is like, like this book. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is good. So the book claims that 80% of Vatican officials are gay. Journalist Frank Bruni of the New York Times wrote about the book, and he's a gay man writing about it. It contends that the more surely homophobic a Vatican official is, the more likely he belongs to that crowd. Well, no shit. No fucking shit. Nothing surprising there. And that the higher up the chain of command you go, the more gays you find. And not all of them are celibate. Not by a long shot. In a telephone interview on Thursday, Martel stressed that the 80% isn't his estimate, but that of a former priest at the Vatican whom he quotes by name in the book. But he presents that quotation without sufficient skepticism and, is, and in his own words writes, it's a big majority. Bruni continues. He says that in the closet of the Vatican is informed by about 1,500 interviews over four years and the contributions of scores of researchers and other assistants. I covered the Vatican for the Times for nearly two years and the book has a richness of detail that's persuasive. It's going to be widely discussed and hotly debated. It depicts different sexual subcultures, including clandestine meetings between Vatican officials and young heterosexual Muslim men in Rome who work as prostitutes. It names names and while many belong to Vatican officials and other priests who are dead or whose sexual identities have come under public scrutiny before, Martel also lavishes considerable energy on the suggestion that France's predecessor, Pope Benedict XVI, and other towering figures in the church are gay. Yeah. Um, also, yeah. 
That's uh, it's, spicy. Yeah, 1,500 interviews, four years of research, and Martel is not a Catholic, and he's, he told uh, Bruni, like, I don't have anything to, like, I'm not, this isn't a revenge for me. Right. I'm not trying to get back at some Catholic priest that raped me when I was right. little. Like, I just did four years of research on this, and this is what I found, you know? Perhaps the most vivid and double lives under Martel's gaze is that of Cardinal Alfonso Lopez Trujillo of Colombia, who died a little over a decade ago. According to the book, he prowled the ranks of seminarians and young priests for men to seduce and routinely hired male prostitutes, sometimes beating them up after sex. All the while, he promoted the church's teaching that all gay men are objectively disordered and embraced its ban on priests who are believed to have deep-seated homosexual tendencies. I definitely, like, through the corner of my eye, I thought that said deep-throated homosexual tendencies. No, That's no, just that how too. gay I am. That too. <laughs> that they are believed to have, um, whether they act on them or not. So in 2015, or 2005, mm-hmm. the church officially came out and was like, if you have deep-seated homosexual tendencies, you cannot be a priest. So, I mean, centuries did, like, it's been going on where uh, priests have, you know, been gay mm-hmm. and they've been acting on it. And then in 2005, rather than being like, oh, wow, okay, you know, we're pretty fucking gay. Um, they're like, no, if you have deep, if we can prove that you have tendencies, we're going to expel you from. Probably because that's when all the shit started to come to life that people were oh, being yeah. raped and abused. So they were like, we need a fucking scapegoat. Let's figure exactly. this out. Exactly. They're going to expel them. But you know who they're not expelling? The fucking pedophiles. No, those people are just getting moved around to a different exactly. church so they can be pedophiles against a different group of children. If that's you're all that's gay, happening. they can expel you from the church, expel you from the clergy. But if you're just a pedophile, they'll just move you to another school, uh, home, orphanage where you can abuse more children yeah so the book is certain to make waves in the next few weeks but will it make a difference an advocate for catholic church abuse survivors david clohesi told the times many priests have a huge incentive to report sexual misdeeds by colleagues um they know they're vulnerable to being blackballed it's celibacy and the secretive rigid ancient all-male hierarchy that contributes to the cover-up and therefore more abuse in truth it seems that the leader's more, most accepting of homosexuals are actually straight, while those who are gay are the most vicious against the queer community. What the purpose behind the deliberate c- cognitive dissonance is, we cannot tell you. All we can say is the Vatican is gay as hell, and they're dangerous. This isn't the society you want to join, but maybe you would have been interested in the next one. Um, it's just very... Uh, I don't understand. I will just say that I don't get what... Um, I can't figure out what the, the thing is, though. Well, how is the Vatican so gay? If the reporter is correct, 80% of the Vatican is gay. Mm -hmm. What are they gaining from being so outwardly anti-gay? That's what I can't figure out. Like what, that's why you're a secret society because what is it, what's your goal? What's your end game? Because you're (laughs) not making fucking sense. They're making so much money that maybe they just want to hold on to that religious church money. And you can stir up the the crowds by being anti-gay. That's very big. Like, that's just like what Pence did. Like you can yeah. stir up the crowds, you can get the money. So, so you maybe... think it's like the worst humans, and and some of the worst humans are gay because some of the best humans are gay. Like that's just how life goes. Yeah. So some of the worst humans. So if you're a gay person who happens to also be an awful person, you join the Vatican where you can fuck all the men you want, but say it's a horrible thing and collect the money, and it collects all the money and be wealthy and 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 powerful as hell because mm-hmm. vatican is very very powerful wealthy and powerful and also you get it all you get to have your cake and eat it too literally yeah. uh wow just the worst institution <laughs> it's just you'll never convince me that there is a worse institution than the vatican like i mean right up there with hitler's third reich that's how awful mm-hmm. they are in fact they were in bed with hitler's third reich so this is the worst fucking piece of shits yeah so our last group um is the gay mafia hashtag gay mafia tweet it tweet see what it. happens i wonder what would happen oh you're gonna get a lot of far like far right conservatives like following you because they're the ones who have created the gay mafia uh-huh. because it's just not it's not real it's not real we're sorry guys we wanted to oh i wanted i <laughs> we, wanted to find we gotcha. i wanted to find like a bunch of like rough gay italian guys that like prowl the streets and you know i don't know what they're doing you know they're running some kind of scams but couldn't it's just not real it's not real real. a band of lesbians or something nothing nothing on their motorcycles (laughs) exactly one's got a u-haul on the back (laughs) 
You owe Tony some money. She said you were gonna pay her. Yeah. Now it's time for you to pay up, buddy. They just drive the U-Haul through the building. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, it's okay. So, uh, the myth of the gay mafia is a favorite fear tactic among the far right. Whenever humans choose to be... De- just read Oh, decent. Mm-hmm. Whenever humans choose to be decent and side in favor of queer rights, there's always some far right pundit decrying the work of the gay mafia. But where did this idea even come from? In the book Homo Intern, How Gay Culture Liberated the Modern World, Arthur Gregory Woods traced the conspiracy back to Karl Marx and Friedrich Engels, 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 that's right, two founding fathers of the communist society. In the mid-19th century, the pair corresponded about the threat of pederasts, an antiquated term referring to men who had sex with younger men, since the word homosexual did not yet exist. Marx and Engels feared that pederasts would threaten the platonic friendship of gay men fighting for the cause of communism and that budding romances might destroy communism for the public altogether well they were just afraid that if you got a bunch of guys together in a cause that they might start fucking each other and they're like we got to make sure that this doesn't we have to be productive we saw what happened in the vatican and we can't let it happen here (laughs) (laughs) so it is true that many homosexuals of the the late 1800s to mid 1900s did also have ties to communism as this was a further left-leaning cause that claimed to champion freedom for all, it is no wonder that the party was appealing. But of course, the lavender scare that swept through the world at the same time only exaggerated the amount of homosexuals involved in Marxism and communism. And around this time, the idea of the homo intern came along. The term was allegedly coined as a joke, taking an inspiration from the communist term common intern, an abbreviation of the Communist International Organization founded in the 1910s. Woods, Gregory Woods, the author, says it was most likely invented as a wordplay referring to a disorganized and informal network of gay men who fraternized in the 1930s. Mm-hmm. So that was it was the Hummer interns with the gay mafia of the 1930s, this mysterious group sneaking around like those old movies you see. Oh my God, those <laughs> This creepy. man standing on the corner watching you boys play basketball. Watching little Billy. He is going to ask little Billy if he would like a ride. Exactly. You could watch old FBI propaganda videos that like show gay men, like supposed gay men, like wa- walking around parks and then following this little boy down the beach and uh, through a tunnel. Yep. <laughs> Literally through a tunnel. Which, why the fuck Bobby decided to go run down by the beach and through a tunnel? What the hell, Bobby? Like <laughs> run on the main street. Right. That's bad parenting. Teach your children that exactly. if someone's chasing them, they should run towards the public and scream at the top of their lungs. Exactly. Don't run to deserted tunnel in the middle of nowhere <laughs> in the middle of a beach why is there a tunnel in the beach? <laughs> i get i don't know very weird propaganda <laughs> videos check them out on youtube they're a lot of fun so in the 1950s at the height of the lavender scare in america home so by the way when i saw homo like home intern i thought homo intern and i just like a pictured a gay man and like <laughs> a really like like a nice little like um apron excuse me sir can i get your coffee for you and he's like walking around like he's very very like slim and like oh wow that's free typing on his little intern. yeah typing on the computer there's no computers typing on the typewriter typewriter <laughs> yeah yes i'm sure at the uh, vatican they have several home interns <laughs> oh i'm sure they're all naked mm, yeah um so at the, the height of the lavender scare a home intern entered cold war discussions being used now by conspiracy theorists that exploited its communist association and claim it referred to a long-standing international homosexual conspiracy across the country. The home interns, one goal was to penetrate, of course, <laughs> is anybody surprised? <laughs> They're here to penetrate us. They're here to get deep down inside us. In our guts. <laughs> Your most invulnerable parts. Where's the darkest part of you? That's where they're going inside. In the brown eye. Um, so their <laughs> one goal was to penetrate positions in the American government and urge Usurp traditional usurp. and u- usurp, oh, and usurp traditional American values of family and heter- heterosexuality. If you go back and listen to episodes nine and ten of our podcast, we cover the lavender lavender scare extensively. Check it out. But in additional. T- in addition to this national paranoia, the country also saw the budding of this gay civil rights movement, which means, which meant, <laughs> more queer individuals Please. were coming out in public, which in turn allows conspiracy theorists to announce, see, the gay mafia 
does in fact exist. So they're going around. They're like, "Hey, there's all these gay people, and we're telling you there's gay people." And the American public's like, "There's no gay people. I don't see any gay people." That back in my day, we didn't have any gay people. <laughs> but at the same time, the you know people like the Madison Society, which was also considered a secret society mm-hmm. until they came, came out openly, like Harry Hayes, yep. and and they're like, "Look, we're gonna come out. We're gonna be uh, out and proud." And all of a sudden, like. People like Joseph McCarthy and others can be like, see, we told you there's these gay people and then they exist and there's a conspiracy and they're going to turn us all gay. And so, you know, the stories and the idea of the gay mafia, which is also at the time, you know, of, of uh, Al Capone and the real mafia. And they're mm-hmm. like kind of blended together, you know, and they're like, see, the gay mafia is real. So while there has never actually been a gay mafia and we truly, truly wish that there was, we, we I wish that there was. You'll never convince the far right of anything else. When the news broke last summer of Cardinal McCarrick's sexual abuse, the guy mentioned in the previous story who was sleeping with all the, uh, like, blackmailing all the seminary students to sleep with him, LifeSite News reported, The insidious influence of the church's gay mafia are now so extensive that bishops, cardinals, and even the Pope seem to cow in fear before the infestation of infeminate perverts who have co-opted and hijacked the church's institution. The abominating desolation of their filth is now openly a display throughout the church, from the halls of the Holy See to the chanceries of diocese to the innumerable gay-friendly parishes that pander to the spiritual self-destruction of their hapless clientele. Mm. <laughs> and in response to Kevin Hart stepping down from the Oscars completely of his own accord and due to his stubborn refusal to acknowledge the pain over his past homophobic comments, one blogger wrote, Despite those who would wish us to believe that the so-called gay mafia doesn't exist, Hart's resignation puts the lie to this daffy notion. Gays are effectively the Jews of sexuality, a tiny minority that wields power far beyond its numbers, especially in Hollywood. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> it's just where you... Could... you I was like... Three the like three most insulting sentences that could be <laughs> I know, put strung together, right? Um, like it's we read a couple other instances, but it's just constant. Every time something goes wrong, and I grew up hearing this, it was the gay mafia, and people truly believe. Like my parents are very convinced that there is a gay mafia. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to say all about Kevin Hart's thing, which has been in the past. My, uh, we never really talked about it because we were going through things, you know, it just didn't happen. It didn't break in a time when we were really doing an episode. Mm-hmm. So when Kevin Hart first, like when things came out that he wasn't going to, you know, about his past homophobic comments, which I've heard because I followed his comedy mm-hmm. for a long time and I knew it said those things. Uh, at first I was like, look, let the guy evolve, let him grow and move on past this. You know, he never apologized. And honestly, just me personally, I didn't need the apology. But what got me when I finally was all set with him was when um, they came to him and someone interviewed and they're like, look, you know, we understand like, you know, you've grown past that, but we, what we need is an ally now. Mm-hmm. We need you to be an ally. And Kevin Hart was like, you know, it's just, it's never been my life stream to be an LGBTQ ally. And I was like, really, dude? Mm-hmm. It has to be your life stream to be a right. fucking LGBTQ ally. All you have to do ally. is say, yeah, I'm like... I support. I'm Literally all you, you don't have, have to, to do start is, yeah. campaigns and fundraisers. You just like have what? To what do you? End. What do you fucking mean? It has to be your live stream. Like I, I'm an ally of people of color. Like well, it doesn't really take much from me. Like other than being a decent person. Yeah, you just have to be a fucking decent human being that says, "Hey, I support this." Like when he said that, it was like, "Yeah, this isn't about you not wanting to be an ally. Like you don't want to be an ally. Right. You're very. This clear. isn't that you think it takes that much work. You just." don't want to be an ally and you don't have the balls to come out and say that you don't want to be an ally. That's why you've never apologized, like truly apologized. And that's why you, rather than like saying, look, I'm sorry and let's move on. He stepped down from hosting the Oscars so that he could throw a fit and be like, eh, people are mad at me because I said something in the past and I can't be honest about my feelings. Yeah. Uh, So yeah, that's when I was all set with him. And that's sad because I really liked him as a comedian and I, I had a lot of respect for him in a lot of areas, but Dude, like, fucking own up to who you are. Mm-hmm. Anyways, but this is about the gay mafia. Here I go with my old gay mafia yep. style. So one of the biggest so-called bombshells came from comedian Adam Carolla in 2014 when he told Milan Magazine, and this proved that there was a gay ma- uh, mm-hmm. mafia. 
You can't live in Hollywood and get along in this business and be in theater companies and improv companies and have issues with gay people. My last movie, I did a boxing movie called The Hammer, and the director was gay. If you can't work with gay people, you're going to have a difficult time in Hollywood. There's plenty of gay people, and they're in positions above you. You're not going to get your movie directed. They just turned into a mafia and demanding everyone apologize for every joke and retract every statement. <laughs> he said a so, lot of other stuff, too. I can't be completely discriminative <laughs> towards these people because, oh my God, they're actually in positions where they have influence. Yeah, right. So, I mean, but if they didn't have positions of influence, I would just tell them what they are. They're fucking... Beep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's it's like that's we're the mafia because we actually are like I don't we have positions of power because some gay people are in positions of power. A whole fucking lot of straight people are in positions of power. He, he's a big he said a lot of other stuff. He's a big asshole. That's just a thing where he was like, yeah, the gay mafia is real, you know. And people and that was it. The right was like, see, after all these years, it's proof. gay people work. That's proof. Yeah, that's proof that it's a mafia and it's a conspiracy against the right. Because to... us straight people can't say whatever we want to say and be homo and homophobic. Pretty blah, soon blah, blah. they're gonna have all the straight people in ca- concentration camps, and uh, we're all gonna have to be atheists, and that's where America is going. Oh yeah, hundred percent. And that was it, kids. After a hundred years, that was the proof of the gay mafia. It was enough to fuel the flames of the right, and the gay mafia has been solidified as a definitive entity in the minds of conservatives ever since. Used in everyday discussions such as Rush Limbaugh's popular radio show. In 2015, when gay marriage was legalized, he stated, Three and a half years ago... Wait... Three and a half years ago, and every year prior to that, Barack Obama opposed gay marriage. And you know why? Because of his... (coughs) Because of his Christian religious beliefs. And he was open about it. And he ran for office. And so did Hillary Clinton. And so did Bill Clinton. And then the Hollywood gay mafia threatened him with the loss of campaign dollars. It was good. It was good. A very angry old white man. Did you like the coffin there? (laughs) I did. So... Today, you can't listen to or read anything in conservative news uh, without the mention of the gay mafia. When they speak of queer issues, everybody is talking about it. It's constant. And sadly, there's no basis. Though, if there was a real connection between the mafia and the gays, then maybe it stems from the mafia's control of underground gay bars in the mid-1900s. Philip Crawford explores this avenue in his book, The Mafia and the Gays. Maybe there is a fantastic group of homos running around out there with gay men in a variety of wide-brimmed hats and fancy carnations and sexy lesbians in pinstripe suits with Tommy guns with a dame by their side. We can only dream, questions. Yep, and they've got, like, you know when they walk around with baseball bats, but they're, like, bedazzled? <laughs> you know what? That would hurt, motherfucker. Would hurt. You get hit with that, that's going to leave a lot like of the marks. It would of a fucking nail, because it's fucking... It would, like, yeah. Like, pink bedazzled, diamonds all up. fucking heels walking. Queen, bitch. Yeah, exactly. You got my fucking money? That's right, bitch. You said they got, like, a nice... Mary, fucking get coat. his ass. Fucking get his ass, Mary. That's right. The gay mafia is coming for you. And when you're they're done with you, you're going to look a hell of a lot better, but also, you're going to pay up. <laughs> so those that's the extent of our so-called secret societies. It's the best that we have for you. There were a lot of groups that were formed by gay men, but they were all, like... Hey, we're gay. Yeah, just quick little things. That... They were quick, and they were usually because they didn't have any other way to meet. So right. Was, but they, again, they didn't do anything. It wasn't like the Illuminati or the you know the Knights Templar. It was just groups or... of men meeting in private and called themselves a secret society. Exactly. Basically. They were a group they of gave men. themselves a name. They they sipped on drinks and they fucked each other, which is I mean that's what a lot of or, that's what a lot of secret societies do. To be fair. But it didn't quite have. I was hoping for like you know a Freemasons yeah, thing, something, something, you know. Like but that. there was a guy named Rhodes that started a secret society um, that was gonna like change the democracy of the world, and he was gay, but the society wasn't gay. Uh, just not not quite enough. But <laughs> these are a couple of issues. So now you know there's no such thing as a gay mafia because if you've ever wondered, the Vatican is it's gay as fuck. gay as fuck. And Charachnia. Karania. Um, they've got open initiation, so as long as you're willing to do anything and just you have to don't really... eat for two days before you go to the initiation, <laughs> otherwise, no you're Indian gonna be, food, it's no gonna be a mess. Mexican food, keep yourself nice and clear. saltines and water for two days. That's right, and then you will be ready to go through that initiation process and become part of the order of the 
Chirachnia. Maybe the initiation is just being able to say the name correctly. <laughs> They're like, all right, can you fucking say it? No. Ow, you're not in. <laughs> nope. 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 <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, creations, we hope that you have enjoyed this episode. Make sure you check us out on YouTube, um, Instagram, Twitter, Spotify, everywhere. All of our social media. We'll be dropping other mini-sodes infrequently throughout the next couple of weeks as we try to stay more in touch with you guys. We can't be quite as active on social media. Um, Make sure, if you can, go to our Patreon page. We really, really could use the support right now to help get some more things done. Um, I felt, oh, and you remember your um, recommended resource, which is Michael Hone. Um, he's got a lot of good information, like little books on queer history. Again, mostly gay male history, but there's uh, some other things. Check him out. Um, anything that you want to add? No. That's it. That's it. So uh, stay Start clear. a secret society. Yeah, start a secret society. And invite us. And do something interesting like dominate the world. or. But make sure we're invited. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, if there's one thing you want in your secret society, it's a bunch of podcast hosts because we never tell anyone. We would never secrets. tell anyone about your secret society or uh, anything about it. I promise. Absolutely not. Next episode, <laughs> our secret society. <laughs> <laughs> so Stay queer. Don't get a lobotomy. You succulent sapphist. We love you, our little allied hookers. And goodbye. Bye. Thanks for listening. Remember to subscribe and review wherever you are listening and follow us on social media at Your Queer Story. Like what you heard? Want to share your story? Send us a voice message to add to the podcast from the Anchor app or at anchor.fm slash yourqueerstory. And if you would like to support the work we do or get exclusive content, check us out on patreon.com slash yourqueerstory. See you next week. Bye. Bye.